0: Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow Monawara on Twitter at Monawara2Ws. He is our now NBA betting savant with the baseball season officially over. Congrats to anybody who backed the Rangers before the year began. Season began at 50 to 1, one of the biggest futures prices to cash in World Series futures history. I think the Marlins back in 03, at the very least, over the last couple decades, few decades the biggest or second biggest world series ticket to cash, Texas against Arizona beating the Diamondbacks in five games and we're having a good year too. If you cashed on Texas and you've been listening to or even if you didn't have any MLB futures action, we're 22 and 9 on the year-mo with spreads and totals. Week 8 for me, 20 oh, and 1 card week 8 for you. 30 oh, and 1 card as we both unfortunately or I guess fortunately pushed with the Commanders, depending on how you want to look at it. But we got a bunch of bets to discuss today. We're also going to be joined by Raheem Palmer of The Ringer. How are you doing today, Mel?
1: Doing pretty good. Um, not too excited for this betting weekend, I guess. Like, It's just a tough one because just so many quarterback injuries and stuff like that and just a lot of uncertainty around a lot of different games. So uh don't think... I'll have a ton of action,
0: Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. No matter how our bets go, I don't think anyone, and I mean anyone, can do as poorly as Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh McDaniels on Monday night, especially Garoppolo. Not that none of it was McDaniels' fault, but missing two wide-open touchdown passes to Devontae Adams that would have allowed Vegas betters to cash, I believe, if you look back at the sequence of events in the second half. That was abysmal, man.
1: Yeah, uh, it would be hard to play worse than Jimmy Garoppolo played the other day. I mean, mostly the sacks. I was just like, man, I mean, there's missed throws. That's like it happens, I guess, but I just cannot even fathom some of the sacks he took. Fourth down, (laughs) I mean, just throw the ball anywhere. Throw a 50-50 ball. Like, what is right. this? You cannot be taking sacks. I mean, if there's a free rusher, somebody just whoops somebody on the line, that's not what was happening. Like, he had multiple seconds
0: in these pockets. Throw a arm punt. Who cares? Get the ball downfield, take a shot, as you said. So we have four bats, three or four bats to discuss before Raheem joins the show to break down the biggest games on the slate. Also talk a little NBA batting. As I mentioned, Mo is a big pro basketball handicapper. If you check out the lines.com, I got my college basketball futures piece officially up on the site too. So, basketball season on a couple different fronts. If you want to get our bets in real time, not just for the NFL, but also with college basketball and the NBA, you could subscribe in the lines Discord channel. It's free. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right hand corner and not just for Mo and I, but our staff members our bosses, Steven and Andres, Brett Colson, we are getting into an argument earlier this morning on Chargers Jets, so a lot of fun discussion going on in the Lions Discord channel, and remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including the NFL, NBA, college football, Brett Gibbons, and Kelly Ford do a fantastic job in that particular market. So Mo. If any of our listeners and viewers, if you're checking us out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, have not signed up with BetMGM Sportsbook, remember to do so before you place any Week 9 action. First-time users get a bonus code of up to $1,500 back in bonus bets using promo code THE LINES. That's one word, THE LINES, if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply for more details. Head over to thelines.com. Mo, we are plugging our noses. We are on the same page with the first game we're going to discuss here on Beat the Closing Number. Patriots down to a three-point home favorite as this line was up to three and a half after the commanders traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young away, I'll albeit juiced. But still, three and a half pretty much across the board. Total of 40. I want to discuss the... Angle for the total in a moment. Not that I'm betting it, but just a little perspective on it. So as I alluded to, we saw this spread dip down to three minus one ten across the board on Thursday morning. If you're checking us out on the audio only version of the podcast, Friday morning, maybe the spread will be a little bit different, but at least when we're recording this, it's three minus one ten both ways at every single sports book. Search the latest odds over at the and If we kind of dissect the way I expect the Battle of the Trenches to go, even without Sweat and Chase Young on the commander's defensive front any longer, Washington still has an above-average pressure rate, and they blitz at an above-average rate, too. And this Patriots offensive line ranks dead last in the NFL on pass block win rate. I also don't think Casey Tuhill at least won of the commander sub in edge rushers for young and sweat is as big of a downgrade as maybe the market expects, even though it's only, or it was only a half a point young freelanced a lot. And I know Del Rio and Rivera got a lot of flack for the way this commander's defense performed. And in the secondary, it isn't much better, but if Washington can get pressure on a banged up new England offensive line, you play right into a positive game script, at least on the defensive side of the ball, because Mac Jones ranks 25th among qualified quarterbacks in completion percentage under pressure. And on the other side, we discussed this a lot on beat the closing number throughout the season, Mo, with Belichick historically and along with the season. His defenses have performed so well at taking away the opponent's number one receiver. And in fact, this year they ranked number one in DVOA against the opponent's number one receivers. But Patriots corners, even with J.C. Jackson back in the fold, and he actually is the fourth lowest coverage grade among all cornerbacks this season, qualified corners. Pat's corners are still pretty vulnerable. I believe none of them have, maybe one, have and above-average cornerback grade this year. But other than that, it's a pretty exploitable secondary other than the safeties. Safeties have actually played pretty well this year. But I expect Howell to be able to perform well yet again. We saw him pick apart that Eagle secondary last week. James Bradbury and Darius Slay, which I'll get to later on in the show, have underperformed expectations and then some. So if... Howell and especially the commander's offensive line is able to protect Howell like they did last week against a pretty stellar Eagles defensive front. I think Howell's able to have success against Belichick's zone coverage. And mind you, Howell has performed best against zone, just juxtaposed to his performances against man-to-man defenses. So with this line, even at three, I prefer the three and the hook on Washington, even if you could find a juiced one, that's what I bet. Minus 115, Commanders plus three and a half. But I have these teams pretty much essentially dead even in my power rating. So I think the hook is pretty big, but maybe a smaller bet for me on Commanders plus three minus 110. Mo, what say you for this game?
1: Yeah, that would be unfortunate if all the three and a halves were gone. They were, uh, there was a lot of juice three and a half this morning when I was looking over stuff. Um, honestly when I was looking at the look-ahead markets, you know, it was Patriots minus two, which I wasn't even sure that was giving Washington enough credit. So now that it's up to the key number because of what reason, I don't know what the reason is for all this Patriots team. I can't figure it out. Like, it was already moving towards Patriots before any of those trades. Maybe people were just baking in speculation that there would be trades, but even if there are trades, I mean, Montez Sweat, you know, Chase Young... I mean, are they worth multiple points to the line like this? Like, I don't really think so. (laughs) I mean, it's not like these guys are out here just absolutely wreaking havoc on opposing offense. This isn't like Aaron Donald and and Chris Jones, you know? Right. Single-handedly just sinking your offense with pressure every play. I mean, Washington has a mediocre pressure rate. They have a mediocre adjusted sack rate. Like, I don't really see what the massive deal is. I mean, yeah, these are good players, but at the same time, like you said, the Patriots, they have a banged up offensive line in their own right, and then look at the weapons they're starting, man. I mean, with Kendrick Bourne going out, something called DeMario is in the starting lineup, along
0: He's with- been good, to be fair. I-, I will say O'Brien's put him in really good sp- bots and he's really quick off the line against a commander secondary that's vulnerable too not that i'm disagreeing with your take no born is big considering he's been jones's favorite target at least over the last three or four weeks jalen rager might be starting
1: he's on like his fourth team in three years or whatever we're sitting at here i mean this is this is just two bad teams But Washington has a much better passing offense, and they're getting three points. So I I don't know. Just make it make sense because it doesn't make any sense to me. I I mean, the Patriots also like – so Washington's secondary has really stunk so far. Emmanuel Forbes is getting absolutely wrecked week after (laughs) week. So bad. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He needs to gain about 25 pounds probably. Um, But like, who's taking advantage of that? For the Patriots, you know? I mean, Washington still has a strong run D. I mean, maybe some of that is because, you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young are helping set the edges. Yeah, I mean, maybe it will fall off a little bit, but... Sweat especially. Yeah, when I don't see, like, an a advantage at all. And, in fact, I see a negative advantage for the... Like, the the Washington has better... They probably have a better quarterback and definitely better weapons. I mean, this is just a better offense, so... I don't know man I just can't I can't make sense of this market move towards the Patriots, so I'm happy to buy Washington at three three and a half, obviously, like you said, I'd prefer three and a half, but if I can't get it, I still think three is fine,
0: yeah, and just why you were kind of i mean rightfully so confused about the market steam to New England, the market has bet on the Patriots for what the last two years like this with a below average roster, so I'm not necessarily surprised at the move. I I think new England is expected to bounce back. Not that it's warranted. And especially because you and I both have these teams pretty much even or very much close to even in our power ratings this week. And you could find our consensus power ratings over at the lines.com amongst all of our staff members. Yeah. I mean, you factor in how has outperformed Jones this year I was also really surprised. I know I kind of hinted at it and touched on it very briefly, but how well the Commanders offensive line played last week. I know Jordan Davis was limited, but New England's defensive front without Matthew Judon, they have some good edge rushers, but that's still a banged up defense in their own right.
1: So, yeah, that's I, yeah. in my notes too for sure. Very banged up on that end of the ball.
0: Yeah. So I'm not I'm still skeptical of the market steam towards the Patriots even though it's Maybe Jones bounces back. Maybe O'Brien is able to take advantage of a secondary that is also very exploitable at times. I mean, Kendall Fuller has a really good coverage grade, and the eye test definitely justifies that. Safety play can be a little sporadic. It's kind of like New England. One side of the field is more vulnerable than the other. But considering this line is up to a key number, if not above it, earlier in the week. And that's why we highly recommend you checking out our Discord channel to get notifications when Mo and I place bets so you can get the best of the number. Not that that guarantees you cash your bet, but we hope that you were able to get the hook on Washington for sure. And also, just motivationally, Washington isn't out of the playoff picture. So for those expecting... This kind of fire sale, even though Sweat and Young, to your point, isn't that drastic or at least as drastic as the market may have been baking into this number or the newfound spread. Only a game back in the wildcard race. So I don't think motivationally we're going to see the commanders lay an egg here. Unless... The game script dictates that. And then Howell ends up throwing a bunch of picks like we saw at least the one interception late in the second half against Philly last week. On to the second game we're going to discuss, Mo. Another NFC East team, but this game is much more enticing to break down here. Eagles against the Cowboys. This line hasn't moved. It's pretty much stagnant from the preseason look ahead and last week's version of of the look-ahead line. And to me, this boils down to quarterback play on both sides of the ball. So you look at Dallas and also just the market overvaluing Philly. I think this is the right spot to bet against this Eagles defense. A, Philly isn't nearly as good as they were last year on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. Darius Slay and James Bradbury, both with league average or below average coverage grade at their positions... And as I mentioned, Howell was able to pick apart this Eagles secondary last week, especially N'Kobe Dean. That was a factor that we didn't discuss when we briefly hit on the Eagles-Commanders game on our Monday edition of Beat the Closing Number. Dean was really exploited in coverage along with the Eagles cornerback. Safety Safety group is definitely upgraded after getting Bayard from Tennessee. But corners and at linebacker, both of those positional groups can be had in coverage and Prescott with a top 10 adjusted EPA per drop back among qualified QBs and drop back success rate this season. So I think he's able to continue that trend of dissecting this Eagles defense an Eagles defense that has also had the benefit of a pretty favorable schedule to begin the season, at least over the first eight weeks. Prescott also should be getting back Left tackle Tyron Smith, he missed the Rams game last week. And then Jalen Hurts, man, it's also going to notice that he's dealing with a knee injury. Only had four carries against Washington, and that's considerable given Dallas is the second-ranked pass rush win rate. I know Philly has a pretty stout offensive line in their own right, but... Dallas can get after the quarterback. And if Hertz isn't as mobile, along with the fact that he is the 11th ranked turnover worthy play rate, and that is actually translated into the second most interceptions this season, it's not like he's had positive turnover luck. So, Dallas is secondary, even without Trayvon Diggs, they've been able to take advantage of quarterbacks that haven't necessarily been able to avoid those turnovers this season. If the knee injury is still an issue for Hertz. I think the turnover is coming to play yet again. And I don't hate Dallas, maybe a small money line bet, but at three, at the key number of three, I really like Dallas this week.
1: Initially, I kind of like the Eagles when I looked at this line, actually. Um, but the more I've been looking at it, the more it just feels like three is the right number. So I think I'm just off this one, but um, yeah, I'm with you on a lot of your points for sure. Uh, still definitely suspicious of Jalen Hurts. Have not been that impressed with him. I mean, the big plays have been there at times for sure. At times, honestly, pretty consistently, I should say, on the big plays. But Especially just, last week. Yeah, I mean, uh, how much of that is, you know, A.J. Brown and how much of that is Hurts? Like, It definitely looks like it's That's more A.J. Point. Brown. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I, I don't know why this secondary isn't better. Maybe it's just normal aging uh, at this point. I mean, like you said, Slay, uh, Bradbury, both of those guys are getting a little longer in the tooth, I think. So um, maybe they're just not the elite performers they were, you know, two years ago. Uh, and at the on the other end, you have a Dallas secondary that's honestly been balling. Just I've been impressed with Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis. These guys are playing very well. So uh, I just it's just hard to trust Dallas because we just have watched it for years. You know, when push comes to shove and somebody punches them in the mouth, Dak and this offense keep crumbling in every big spot they're in pretty much. So, uh, I ultimately, I think it's just probably a fair line, but I definitely would understand why somebody would want to bet Dallas.
0: We saw it on Sunday night football. What a week four against San Francisco. 49ers ran all over that Dallas run D and to be fair, Cowboys run defense has been vulnerable this year and that will be an issue if the Eagles can generate a positive game script, which they definitely have the capability of doing on the ground, even if Hertz isn't as mobile as he was for what the last year and a half with that knee injury. We'll see if that's more intuition on my part rather than what happens in, in terms of his performance level and ability to get outside the pocket and make plays with his legs. But Dallas has also performed better against opposing rushing attacks. When you go back to the Monday night football game against the chargers and last week against the Rams, I know they also benefited from a positive game script they got out in a hurry against LA and plus the Stafford injury last week, speaking of quarterback injuries, but I really like Dallas, and I wouldn't also hate it if you wound up playing the Cowboys to win the division before this game. I think that's, if you're going to play, if you like Dallas Futures, I think that's certainly worth a look. Plus 200 is the best price you could find. I got plus 190, plus 195 before the year began. So only a game and a half back with the Eagles about to face a gauntlet of a schedule coming up. We discussed that last week, even on Beat the Closing Number. So Mo, I want to wrap it up here before we get to our guest Raheem Palmer with Bengals and Bills, this line has been all over the place because it got steamed up to Cincinnati minus three. Now it's back down to Bengals minus one and a half, minus two, pretty much minus twos across the board. Total has also shot up from 48 to 49 and a half. Buffalo, just a little bit different Conversation from what we had earlier in the week because the Bills are a little bit healthier, at least because they added some depth at cornerback earlier this week ahead of the trade deadline, getting Razul Douglas from New England. But injuries on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen didn't practice on Wednesday with a shoulder injury. Neither did Trey Hendrickson dealing with the ankle. Both are still expected to play in this game. Market certainly isn't shying away from Buffalo, so that makes you think that the shoulder injury, even though it could hamper Allen a little bit. He's not at risk of missing this game. So what say you for Bills and Bengals, Mo, on Sunday Night Football?
1: Yeah, I'm just assuming that's this veteran rest. uh, But hopefully people listened to me and slammed Bills plus three when I said that line was ridiculous on Monday. And if you didn't, I still think there's a little bit of value at a plus number. Um, I like fading the Bengals here, especially... Uh, you know, you always like to fade teams coming off huge performances, big wins. But especially to me when it happens in such a dreamy spot, like we knew that was a great spot for the Bengals. They were coming off the bye and the Niners were on a short week. I mean, it was a dream situation for the Bengals to to spring the upset there. And, you know, I had the Bengals on my card, but this is much different than that. the The Buffalo has the rest advantage now. And, Last week, dude, the 49ers, like, I know everyone wants us to just talk about the Bengals are back. Just chalk it up. Super Bowl contender, Joe Burrow, all pro. MVP. I mean, maybe. But, like, what about the <laughs> fact that the 49ers still led the NFL in yards per play? Joe Burrow ain't playing defense. I mean, Cincinnati still hasn't proven they can stop anybody. And they're facing Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Dalton Kincaid coming in with extra rest here. So, I I mean, once you just allow 8.2 yards per play to the 49ers, I'm not going to sit here and just anoint you a Super Bowl contender until you show me you can stop somebody. And I, I know Buffalo defense isn't looking amazing, but uh, we know these guys, they can still get after the quarterback. And, and they're going to get after the quarterback here because Cincinnati has a very one-dimensional offense. Their running game is below average. Joe Mixon is toast. I think he's been toast for... Multiple seasons now, if I'm being honest. He's hurt, too.
0: Limited in practice on Wednesday.
1: This is not a good running game. I don't think the Bills need to respect it. I think A.J. Epinesa and uh, Russo, all these guys, Ed Oliver, I think they can really, really get after Joe Burrow here. I know that Cincinnati's O-line has mostly good grades so far, but... The Bills are still second in pressure rate, so I expect Joe Burrow to be under some duress here, and uh, and I don't know how Cincy is going to get stops when they're facing an elite offense here still. And this defense, like I said, they haven't shown they can stop anybody. We've been skeptical about this defensive back group all season, so I still think Bills at plus is fine. Uh, they were favored on the look ahead. I mean, you could, you could, you could tell me Cincinnati should be minus one maybe, and I would. Maybe allow that to be a thing that could be a, in existence, but I could never, ever go farther than that. I honestly think this should be closer to a pick em. So I, I still think bills at anything plus
0: is fine. Bengals tied or actually not tied. I have their own ranking with the fourth worst pass block win rate across the NFL. Now, granted some of that is a product of Burroughs immobility to begin the season ahead of last week, just because of, Cincinnati coming off the bye, and Burrow's calf looking much healthier. And also, I will say, Bengals' run game should perform a little bit above expectation, at least juxtaposed to what we've seen so far, just because we saw the Bengals' run game open up last week, and you can call that a one-game sample size. But Burrow under center definitely opens things up for Cincinnati's offense overall. But I will say to your point, Bengals' offensive line, even though they have above-average Grades, maybe collectively Orlando Brown limited in practice. So injuries in a lot of different spots. We'll see how Hendrickson's ankle response throughout the week. Mind you, he didn't practice on Wednesday and that could have been more of just adrenaline coming back into the game against San Francisco. And if he, if he's 60, 70%, that's a big downgrade for this Bengals defensive line for sure. Last question before we get to our guest, Mo. Would you rather bet Bills plus two if it stays at that number or Bills money line?
1: I think money line, uh, just higher total, you know, a game with some uncertainty in terms of both defenses. So I would honestly kind of lean to the over there, which makes me even more so less inclined to take uh, a couple of points. Just, you know, with those higher totals and these smaller spreads, it just tends to not come into play quite as often so uh happier to take the money line i think
0: and one last game here before we get to our guest mo i know we kind of teased it from the get-go so we're going to discuss it with our guest raheem palmer here in a second but one spread that may seem a little bit alarming just in relation to some of the quarterback news that we've seen so far with the potential backups that could be on the field on Sunday. Packers up to minus three and a half after sitting at minus three earlier in the week against the Rams, total of 38 and a half. McVay said that the Rams are taking it day by day with Stafford, and he's not going to rule him out for this game pretty much until close to kickoff. Now, I get the market sentiment, or at least the opinion, that Jordan Love is a bad quarterback and rightfully so 25th among qualified QBs and EPA per drop back and completion percentage over expected CPOE this season. But maybe quickly here, how would you look to play this game if at all, once we get maybe more of a, an idea of Stafford plays or not?
1: Yeah, this is a super weird one because the line is kind of in between where it will be. I think ultimately Um, Rams were favored in the look aheads. I mean, Matt Stafford, against a much worse offense here with green bay you would have to give the edge to the packers maybe on a small line but i mean the rams were like minus one in the look ahead but maybe with stafford banged up packers short favorites could make some sense but if he's confirmed to be out i think this line climbs to like four and a half at least could maybe even go higher than that um I know that Stafford isn't like an amazing quarterback at this point, but he has definitely helped driving, helping to drive that offense, especially when that's kind of all they can do is pass the football on the entire team. I don't really have any other strengths. So, uh, Brett Rippon, you know, he's been on multiple teams. I don't think he's one of the better backups in the league, uh, has not been able to stick anywhere as a backup. And at the same time, you know, the Packers are just a dreadful team, right? it really, they really are. And, they're plugging in a seventh round rookie for Russell Douglas. He was very good for them. Just a ball hawk. I mean, I loved watching Russell. I'm not sure the Packers can be laying three and a half to anyone. So I'm just, I kind of don't mind buying the Rams, but, and just hoping Stafford plays. But sounds like you, uh,
0: you like the other side a little bit. Maybe if this gets to three, if Stafford does play. So just, on the other side of it, if somehow he's able to go dealing with the injury, uh, McVay is playing this one really close to the chest, so we're probably not going to get any sign of this. Maybe Friday we get some sort of inclination, if you're listening to this on Friday, maybe later today. But, yeah, I'm not playing this game. And Packers secondary, as we saw last week and throughout the season, is extremely... I- I- if Washington's secondary is exploitable, if New England's secondary... Is exploitable, maybe on a lesser degree. This Green Bay defense, at least in the back seven without Douglas, even with healthy-ish, healthy urge, hear Alexander can be had. But then again, we saw firsthand what it's like to back Brett Ripon last year against the New York Jets. And that was that was not fun. I think Denver closed as what a favorite, and <laughs> that was uh, a game to be forgotten for sure. But those are our bets. As Mo is on the Bills, and I like the Cowboys and the Commanders. Now it's time to be joined by our guest, the great Raheem Palmer. You can follow him on Twitter. I am Rostradamus, the host of the Ringer podcast, one of the great NFL betting podcasts, and really sports betting podcasts around, and also a host on FanDuel. TV, he's been betting for a long time. We'll talk about the different handicapping strategies that he goes about, not only with the NFL, but also with the NBA. How's it going today, Raheem? I'm good, man. Um, You know, we're full swing at NBA, Um,
2: so um, MLB is finally over. I'm, I'm kind of glad that's over, <laughs> Um, just because it was getting overwhelming. I mean, you got four sports on one day at some point, so I'm um, just getting into the swing of NBA, trying to master NFL. Hope, hoping to make some money
1: <laughs> yeah well this isn't a good week to uh be that confident i don't think but we'll see what you think <laughs> because uh, obviously, it's definitely not a good week <laughs> yeah like a lot of games that just have a lot of quarterback injuries slash backups slash even we don't know one minute there's a tweet that deshaun's probably going to play the next minute there's a tweet that Deshaun Watson is uh, doesn't know if he'll play. Uh, so how are you uh, looking at all these quarterback injury spots? Are you mostly staying away? Because that's kind of how I think Eli and I are feeling. But, uh, yeah, we wanted to see what you thought.
2: So I'm mostly staying away. Um, I, I know there's going to be sharp money on the Minnesota Vikings with Jaron Hall um, just because you're expecting a Falcons team with, you know, just the lay margin. I just think that's not a good spot for them. They're a team that you want to take as, you know, under a field goal as a favorite or as underdogs. Asking them to lay four and a half is not really a good proposition. So I imagine it's gonna be sharps on the Vikings. Um but I, I don't really want any parts of that. Now when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals and the Cleveland Browns, um what do you do with Clayton Tune? I have no idea what you do. Like, I've never seen him play football. Um, I don't know anything about him. Um, I'm would he play? Houston? Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not really a college, <laughs> football, college football guy. So this will be my first time seeing him other than, you know, preseason. So I kind of have to stay away from that. I mean, I think the way some people are approaching it is they're going to assume that Deshaun Watson is playing. So you grab the you know the the eight eight and a half and then hope it goes up. But I'm gonna stay away from that. Now, when it comes to the other game, Los Angeles Rams versus the Green Bay Packers, I kind of have an appetite for Brett Rippen. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I heard you guys talking about it early. I know he stinks, but I think this is a, a game where Darrell Henderson could have a big day. And We've seen Sean McVay, you know, go to those run, those game plans where he just runs the ball. And I look at this Packers team and I just think they're a complete mess. Um, I see a team who they really are struggling on offense. Jordan Love hasn't been that guy. They're 25th in EPA per play on defense, they're 25th in success rate on defense, and they can't stop the run. So if you can't stop the run, this is a time where a backup quarterback can shine because they can actually rely on that run game. So, um, I may end up grabbing the the Rams in this game.
0: The market movement on not only that game, but New England-Washington is truly fascinating because it goes both ways. Has New England hit their floor? Has Green Bay hit their floor? Even with Love underperforming low-ish expectations coming into the year, despite the fact that there was some sharp action on Green Bay to win the division. We had some staff members... Talking that up, and rightfully so, considering the Lions' love maybe had gone a little bit too far, but Detroit's playing well despite facing a pretty favorable schedule. We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks off of their bye going to the Chargers, a game Mo and I will for sure be discussing next week. But one of the bigger games on the slate that doesn't involve backup quarterbacks, thankfully, in Germany, Sunday morning, Chiefs, a one and a half point favorite against the Dolphins. This line. Another intriguing one, considering it was at Kansas City minus two and a half, but we saw some steam on the Dolphins on Wednesday. Total of 50 and a half. What do you make of this game, Raheem?
2: Okay, so anytime you get a chance to back Patrick Mahomes as a short favorite or as an underdog, you pretty much have to do it. Like, it's kind of an autoplay at this point. When you look at, you know, and I'm not really a big trends better, but when you look at him as an underdog, of, of three or a favorite is three, he's 11 and four straight up and 12 and two against the spread. So, like, I look at that, but then also I look at the fact that this Miami Dolphins offense a lot of people, you know, love the fact that they scored, you know, 70 on Denver or they put up these, these high flying outputs. But when they face a team who's top 10 in EPA for play, top 10 in defense, top five in defense, like the Buffalo Bills. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't perform as well. The Against the Buffalo Bills, they put up 20. Against the Eagles, they only put up 10 offensive points. I know they score 17 because they had to pick six, but I expect them to come down here. Like, I don't expect them to score as frequently against this Kansas City defense, which is top five in all different categories, in every different category. So, I lean with the Chiefs here. Um you know, I think right now the Dolphins, obviously you get Jalen Ramsey, you get Xavier Howard. Those guys are going to be back in the lineup. But I, I just don't think the defense has truly come together yet. They, they really even haven't played together yet. So um, this is a Dolphins defense that I expect will improve as the season goes along. Um, but right now I can't trust them against anybody. And I expect Kansas City Chiefs to, to get the get things going on the ground. I think last week was kind of an anomaly for the chiefs. Um, you're looking at a game where Patrick Mahomes, he, he was sick. He had the flu um, in a divisional matchup who he just played two weeks prior knowing that he's going to go to Germany for this game. So I just didn't expect them to play well. And you saw sharp money coming last week. So I think you got to play the chiefs here. I haven't touched it yet, but I probably will be on the chiefs.
1: Yeah, I think, Eli and I are leaning the same way here. I, if this one were to get down to a pick, I'm I'm just going to have to take the Chiefs at that point. I think they have to be favored in this spot, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I'm i excited for the game for sure as a Chiefs fan, so it should be a good one. The one thing the that concerns me, too. There,
2: there's a little concern. I, and there's no real way to quantify this, but you look at the fact that Miami actually left for Germany on Monday or Sunday. They're already there up, yeah. and the chiefs are going to be coming in. Uh, I think tomorrow, that's a concern yeah. for me because we've seen, you know, that cost teams some issues, but I
0: don't know how to quantify it. And that has to be the market steam. Not that that that's all of it. I, I know you mentioned that Howard's back. And I mean, that's a big upgrade in the defensive backfield considering you got Ramsey back last week too. And what Miami was putting out there in their secondary to begin the season after Ramsey suffered that, what the ACL injury in training camp or in, in in August. So, but the market steam has to be, maybe it's not all translated to the travel advantage that the dolphins are going to have, but we saw that with Baltimore against Tennessee earlier in the year. I know we all favored the Ravens considering they left earlier in the week. How much do you take that into account Raheem when it comes to these international games. I think I took it into account a lot
2: um, when it came to the Ravens, um, just because I knew that the Ravens, you know, I think the, the previous time in which they played overseas, they lost to the Jaguars 44 to seven. Um, and it, I know that they spent all, you know, summer trying to put together a optimal plan to make sure that they were prepared for this game. So I kind of knew along with the Ravens being a superior team, that this was a spot that they were going to take seriously. I think people are weighing it less because it's the Chiefs and it's Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes. And you kind of look at them almost as if they're doing it, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So um, I think that is one thing that's kind of scaring me off. Uh, I also think, you know, Miami, as I said earlier, they struggle when they step up in competition. But I think at some point they're going to make their mark Um, and it could be here. So that is the one thing that's kind of kind of bringing me pause.
1: Yeah, Eli, I was going to bring up the Baltimore spot as well. It definitely seemed like it helped them out. So anyways, moving on to regular games now uh, from the regular (laughs) Sunday slate. We were going to check in how you felt about this Texans-Bucks. It seemed like there was some Texans action the last couple days because I think it was Texans minus two, two and a half, and I was seeing some Bucks plus threes this morning. So uh, what do you make of that one with a spot where the Bucks are coming in with extra rest, and the Texans just had one of
2: the worst losses of the season, probably. So I I, I took the Texans minus two and a half. I think this is a good buy low spot for the Texans. I know the look at line on this game was Texans minus one on the preseason line. I think the adjustment is warranted. Um, you know when I look at their losses against the Panthers and the Falcons, they had two losses by a combined four points. <laughs> They outgained the Panthers in total yards, yards per play, rushing yards, and they lost by a field goal to the buzzer. Um, and C.J. Stroud, I mean, he didn't play that well, and they couldn't run the ball, but the fact that they lost by a field goal to the buzzer, I mean, that says a lot. Um, and then against the Falcons, C.J. Stroud let that touchdown drive against the Falcons, um, but he left too much time on the clock for Desmond Ritter at home. Um, so those were their last two losses. But I think this Buccaneers team stinks. Um, 25th in offensive DVOA, 17th in passing DVOA, 31st in rushing DVOA. And a big part of their struggles with the offense is that they rely on running the ball too much on early down. That's what they do. I mean, they're just running into a brick wall. That lasts an early down success rate, 36.7%. Um, you look at this Buccaneers team um, earlier in the year, they were able to overcome that with Baker playing well on, on, on late downs. But they're not doing that now. And they're they're also, you know, 27th in early down rushing success rate. So um, I look at this Texans team, their eighth in defensive rushing success rate, they're going to be able to stop the run. And Baker has really struggled. He's only exceeded 275 passing yards once all season. Um, and you look at this Texans defense with D'Amico Ryans, they've only allowed... Five touchdown passes this season. So, regardless of the fact that you got Mike Evans out there, it's still not effective. Now, you look at the other side of the ball. Buccaneers, and they got Todd Bowles. He's known for his good defenses. He blitzes all the time. Buccaneers only 26 in pressure rate. C.J. Stroud from a clean Pocket, 108 passer rating. C.J. Stroud under pressure, 60% passer rating. So, they're not getting pressure, and that's a problem. And then C.J. Stroud is also... Like solid against the blitz um you look at what the Buccaneers defense did with Desmond Ritter <laughs> Desmond Ritter I mean in that Falcons offense 401 total yards 6.3 yards per play 9.4 yards per pass this is Desmond Ritter I mean this is a guy who everybody knows he stinks and if you watch that game and we had Atlanta in that game Desmond Ritter fumbled twice the one and once at the 10 so they probably should have put up 30 points and win that game by 17. So I think this is a good spot for CJ
0: Stroud and his Texans offense to bounce back there at home. I expect them to win this game by margin. And and you're totally right about Falcons Mm -hmm. result going back to the box game. And Tampa Bay also shouldn't have covered. I know they nearly could have won the game. If Godwin turned Mm -hmm. his head around against Buffalo on Thursday night football last week, a split second later, but Panthers were able to exploit that Texan secondary last week to the degree that Bryce Young can at this Mm -hmm. stage of his career. Now, granted, the Panthers had essentially two weeks to prepare for that game. They made the shift at offensive coordinator. Young did look a lot more competent, but you mentioned in opportunities inside the 10 yard line for Atlanta, going back to the Tampa Bay game, Carolina also didn't score in a goal to go situation. I know they were plus one in the turnover department and they got a field goal out of that to begin the second half, but Carolina also could have won that game last week by maybe more than a possession. And maybe the game doesn't come down to the wire. I'm not saying that the handicap especially with this Tampa Bay defense that can't generate pressure. And that's mm-hmm. what Carolina could do to an extent last mm-hmm. week and have been able to do. And that's maybe Stroud's biggest kryptonite so far in his young career. But I'm still a little bit skeptical of Houston's pasty, even though they faced an above average schedule so far.
2: Yes, that's, that's totally fair. Um, and I think if there's a spot where, you know, Houston lets up some points is definitely here. I just think Baker is just not that guy at all. Um, and then even when, you know, even if they're moving the ball, this Buccaneers offense is 28th in red zone turnover, um, touchdown percentage. So we're likely to get a similar result than what we saw with the Packers last week because they're not converting those red zone trips into touchdowns. So um, I think this is a fade of Baker, but also, you know, me trusting C.J. Stroud, me trusting D'Amico Ryans. I just think there's a mismatch at quarterback and there's a mismatch in terms of coaching. And I, I got to trust that.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, even though I'm a l I have a hard time getting to three on this one, to be yeah. honest. But man, yeah, huge uh huge coaching advantage for sure. Bulls <laughs> is I think he might be the worst coach in the NFL. Um but I I'm impressed with D'Amico so far, but yeah, going Switching gears to maybe the biggest game of the week. I don't know. Chiefs, Chiefs, Dolphins. There's a few big ones. Cowboys, Eagles. Eagles, Eagles, Cowboys. These are are big, but I don't know. Isn't everyone most excited about Bengals, Bills? I I don't know. It's It's in prime time. It's two teams people thought were going to be in the Super Bowl hunt. Uh, I've been very vocal with my Bills love this week. I think Eli definitely was backing me up when the Bills were at three. Now he's probably not as excited, but uh, how do you feel about this one?
2: This is rough. (laughs) And the the reason, I mean, I think the side is really rough just because I see a game where I see sharp money on both sides. I see sharps come out and and take the Cincinnati Bengals at minus one and a half. I see it go to three and then I see it come back to two. So to me, that says this is like kind of a 50-50 wager. um, And you're just hoping to get the best of the number. I think this current number, I would play the Bengals. Um, The biggest thing is that the Bengals have carved this defense up even when the Buffalo Bills had a defense and now they don't, they, they lose Tredavious white. They lose Daquan Jones. They lose Matt Milano. All those guys are hurt. And, you know, the bills were down to 24th in success rate, 21st and drop back EPA per play. So I'm expecting Joe Burrow and Jamar chase to go off. Um, and, you know, like, I know they trade for Russell Douglas, But I don't think that's going to, you know, make that much of an impact to totally fix this defense, especially when you look at the Bengals put up 27 points in a playoff game in the snow last year. Now, where I think the edge is is on the total. It's up to 49 and a half. I believe it opened 46. I gave this out on Monday. Um, This isn't a dead nuts over. Um, You look at both of these these games that these teams played last year. The total was 48 and a half in a playoff game in the snow. (laughs) <laughs> so, how can that be the the, the same total? Like pretty much the same total as what we have now, um, with you know better weather. Um, last year, you know during the regular season they played, and you got ten points within the first you know five six minutes of the first quarter before you know Demar Hamlin collapsed on the field and they postponed the game. So I look at this as a dead nuts over, um, and that's that's how I w- would want to play it. I know these prime time unders have been coming in um, at a abnormal rate but I mean
0: sometimes you just at some point it's going to regress so I think that's here and I know quickly before Mo gets and transitions us over to the NBA you look back at that Bengals-Bills game last year from the playoffs and I know the total did go under even though it closed what Raheem you said 48 and a half but Bills also got a field goal in the red zone When, I mean, you get a touchdown there, maybe the script flips a little bit and Buffalo's offense picks up in the second half. So I'm with you. And I think the market certainly is with you too. As you said, you were able to get hopefully a lot of closing value on this total. And hopefully it's not for not, as we've seen red zone offense, speaking (laughs) of Buffalo's red zone inefficiency of the playoff game, we've seen red zone inefficiency throughout the regular season, not just. With either of these teams, so but Mo, go ahead with the NBA.
2: You know before we go, one thing I want to add is that in that postseason game, Josh Allen was coming into it hurt. Um, we all know, you know, since Thanksgiving, he was he was not the same quarterback. And you know, even you know, when you look at this Bengals defense, they're, they're 18th in EPA per play, 26 in success rate, 26 in dropback success rate, and this feels like a huge step up in competition. um You know, they gave up 20 points to Josh Dobbs in the Cardinals, 27 to the Titans, 24 to the Browns, um, and, you know, 27 to the Ravens. So um, a lot of people may look at, you know, how they performed against the 49ers um, with Brock Purdy. um, And really, Brock Purdy kind of left some meat on the bone. He had the interception and he had two interceptions in the the red zone. Um, Even the Bengals left left meat on the bone. They they fumbled at the three yard line and missed the field goal. Um, So I just I think there can be a lot of points here.
1: I would tend to lean that way as well. I think Eli and I both have been very skeptical of this Bengals defense this entire season. So we're with you there, I think. Uh, but, yeah, talking about NBA, uh, you know, you have talked some NBA with us in the past. I apparently totally forgot about this, so I'm just <laughs> a jerk, I guess. But You're not a jerk. I forgot, Eli,
2: I forgot about it too, man. Like, honestly. Now no. that Eli <laughs>
1: mentioned it i think i do remember us having you for nba finals but uh i don't know we do so many podcasts that i guess uh some of them slipped my mind but uh how's nba season going for you so far i I mean for me i feel like i've been kind of riding utah and dallas what are some of your takeaways early on and like where are you i guess lower or higher than the market on some of these teams
2: um so my totals have been crushing i probably lost one total all year um I can barely hit a side at this point. <laughs> like, my sides have just been horrible. Um, I did have the Lakers last night. Um, I gave that out, took it live, um, plus 290. Um, but I, I gave it out, like, minus three or something like that on a radio show. Um, but um, as far as teams, uh, I mean, I think you can do, You could do well um, fading this Milwaukee Bucks team. <laughs> um, defensively, they're a mess. Um, and, you know, I had the kind of sneaky st- suspicion that <laughs> adrian griffin was going to be a downgrade from mike bootenhoser who was probably one of the most successful regular season coaches that we've ever seen in this league um and it, it appears so um i think they're giving up 1.2 one points per possession on defense um so you could make out well fading them um particularly i mean playing overs in their games um playing the opponent's team total over but i mean my totals have just been better um than my sides um You know, I've really I've liked to play Toronto games under because they have a top 10 defense and a bottom 10 offense. They can't score. Um, I mean, it says a lot about that, that Bucks defense that (laughs) Toronto was able to score so efficiently on them. Um, Now, um, when it comes to, I guess, teams that I like, I'm starting to like this Mavericks team. I I have to see them against superior competition, but you know, one of the ways that I've always made money fading was fading the, the Mavs in the live markets because they were a team who was historically struggled in the clutch during the Luka era. The the, the ball would kind of slow down um and, and the offense would get stagnant and they really struggled in the clutch. If you look at their clutch numbers on NBA.com, NBA defines clutch games as games in which are within five points with five five minutes or less, um they've struggled the entire Luka era. This year, they're 4 0 in the clutch. Um, and I think that says a lot about this team. Now, they've only played the Bulls, the Spurs, the Nets, um, and somebody else. They haven't played Memphis. good competition. Yeah, Memphis. They haven't played good competition. But the fact that I could pinpoint and say, you know, this is the, this, they would have lost at least two of those games last year and they won all of them. So, um, and Luka didn't even, you know, shoot well yesterday. He had, you know, doubles. Everywhere from the Bulls and other guys stepped up. Jaden Harvey stepped up. Um, so I like what I'm seeing from this
0: Mavericks team. I just hope it continues against solid competition. Going back to your Bucks point, Milwaukee plays the Knicks as a part of this NBA in-season tournament. What do you make of this thing, maybe as a fan and as a better? I have no idea what to make of it, and I'm not going to pretend like I watch much NBA. So I'll leave that question up so to you. I imagine you guys don't watch much WNBA, do you? I do not. Okay, so
2: the WNBA <laughs> has been doing this in-season tournament for like three years now, and it's amazing. Um, basically, it's you're watching the reg- it just gives the regular season that much more meaning, but then oftentimes, the team, at least in the WNBA, they, they take it serious, and you often end up getting a WNBA finals preview before the finals, but this also means something. So I'm excited for it as a fan. Um, I haven't really approached how to bet it yet, but um, like I think people are really going to like it. Um, I, I just think um, we're getting up there in age. I'm 37 years old. A lot of people my age are kind of closed-minded, and they kind of just see the NBA Finals as everything. But what Adam Silver wants to do is you know, treat it like a European psych- soccer and give people and fans something else to cheer for. And I think this, this will be great for the league.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to make of it either. I'm a little skeptical, so I hope you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, talking about one of the teams that we were just both talking about earlier before the show was obviously that Clippers Lakers game. Sounds like we were on opposite sides of it, but we both got good numbers, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so landed in the middle for us. Yeah. So probably a really bad game for the sports
2: books. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime you have, I-, I think that's the that's the issue with NBA right now is that. Like, even with all the load management rules, now you're at a spot where guys are still resting. And, <laughs> like, injury news comes out late to where nobody knows who's going to play. Um, Like, they they announced guys out 10, 15 minutes before the game. It was all speculation. Like, that Lakers line was basically speculating that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George wouldn't play because they had the back to back against Orlando yesterday. And they ended up playing. And then even PJ Tucker ended up playing and he, he just got off the plane from the, the, the trade. So it's just, you want to get the best of the number. You want to bet early, but you almost can at certain points.
1: Yeah. You're definitely trying to prognosticate a little bit, what you think is going to happen. And sometimes you're going to end up taking the worst of the number. But as far as that one went, I mean, the Lakers, uh, the Clippers rather, they did end up having their guys. So could that maybe bode well for them as far as the rest of the season goes? I mean, it seems like, so Clippers dropped from 18 to 1 to 12 to 1, according to Eli's notes here. And, you know, James Harden, if there's one thing he's showed over the years, like I said on Twitter, it's that he definitely increases your championship equity. So, um, yeah, while the 76ers drop, but uh, it's kind of a in-between number right now because we don't know what they're going to do with, these assets they got so what do you think
2: the market should have done after that um i think it moved in the right place um i don't necessarily want to bet the clippers because you can't bet them because everything is is predicated on the health of Kawhi Leonard and paul george mostly Kawhi Leonard. so you can't you can't play any of their futures you basically have to wait until april and i probably would play a series by series you look at last year Kawhi Leonard went off in that opening um, round game against the Phoenix Suns. And it looked like they had a real chance of winning that series. Then the next game, he tears his ACL and he's done. <laughs> like, so it's just, you just don't know if he's going to stay healthy. And, you know, the year where the Clippers made their first Western Conference Finals appearance, I had them to win the championship. I had them to win the West and Kawhi Leonard tears his ACL. So, it's just you can't even play futures with them now. The one thing I I do think it's it's good for the Clippers is that Kawhi Leonard and James Harden are almost like the antithesis of one another. Kawhi Leonard performs in the postseason; he he just can't show up in the regular season. James Harden can suck up those you know, as my former colleague Matt Morris said, he could suck up those innings, um, regular season innings, <laughs> and he can he can shoulder a huge load in the regular season. I think that'll allow Kawhi Leonard to rest um and just prepare for the playoffs and you know keep this team at a respectable level and then when the playoffs start Kawhi Leonard can do what he does but um I'm still concerned about them inside um I don't think they have anybody for Jokic um I really don't I mean you saw last night they don't they really don't have anybody for Anthony Davis um in any any
0: big lineup so um I'm just not buying it they're gonna win anything Really fun NFL and NBA conversation with Raheem Palmer. You can follow him on Twitter. I am Domas, the host of a bunch of different Ringers podcasts. I believe you do a Philadelphia podcast, right? Yeah, it's so crazy. I haven't done one this year. I was supposed to do the the one with Hart the
2: other day. I had to do something else. My my coworkers picked it up. But, yeah, we do the Philly special podcast. (laughs) It's a a bunch of us. I mean, right now, um, Shil and um, Ben um, Solak, um, they cover the Eagles. I am not an Eagles fan. (laughs) <laughs> it's the only, it's the only team from Philadelphia I don't like. I'm a Cowboys fan. So I'm not on any of those episodes. Um, I do the Sixers. Um, and I am a Phillies fan. Um, I'm still mad we didn't go to the World Series, but it's probably for the best <laughs> because the way Texas was matching the ball, they might have, they might have beat us down too. So, um, but yeah, Philly special, um, Ringer Gambling show,
0: East Coast Bias, Rosh Diamond show, a lot of great things. And FanDuel TV does a really good show with Cousin mm-hmm. Sal and, John Dostremsky, John, yeah. I've known for a long time in the business, really good guy and really fun to listen to. And Raheem has a lot of not just NFL takes, as you heard, but NBA takes one of the best bettors. I know, especially, I know we didn't get into it today, but when it comes to approaching the live betting market, a lot of different angles and is <laughs> mowing. You've seen you seen that ticket I just night. sent
2: you, the, the crazy ticket, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 You can cash, man. In game, at any point, at any juncture, it's a, its truly the wild, wild west out there. <laughs> I know Raheem, and what Raheem is alluding to, at least one of them was the NFL bet he made in game. I had of with 13 seconds to go. Mo was pretty happy with this result. Mo. I don't know if you bet it or not in game, but Chiefs Bills a couple of years ago in the divisional round. I was uh, at the game. Kansas, you were at the game, so you couldn't even bet. Oh, you the were game at Kansas. the game. That's crazy.
1: Good seats too. Yeah, same corner where uh, Travis Kelsey caught the game-winning touchdown. Do they do they have live betting there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, no, wait, not in Missouri side. You have to be on the uh, Kansas side. Yeah, See, the crazy, and not
2: not at that point. The crazy thing is live betting in the stadium is a cheat code. That's true. It's <laughs>
0: ultimate, like you're ahead of it. <laughs> like, like it's I'm hard gonna, though. It's hard to get Wi-Fi or it's any hard to sort get of a
2: connection. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've had some I've had some like
2: times where I've been fortunate to get li- like Wi-Fi and it's oh, my God, I feel like I'm
0: stealing. Maybe when we have you on next time, we can talk about your experience at Bucks Nets Game 7 a few years ago. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was that was that was the one. I've, I, man, that was so much fun. I know. <laughs> a lot of stories that we could do with Raheem talking at the NFL. We'll be sure to have it back on the Beat the Closing Number podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Raheem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You can follow him on Twitter. I am Rostradamus. You can follow Mo on Twitter at Mo Noir. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. Mo, any last words before we get out of here?
1: Only that the bills are starting to creep down to one and a half. So get those bills plus while it lasts.
0: All right. We're hoping Mo is on the right side there, as he said. I would have bet Buffalo plus three. I didn't jump in. I hope for Mo's sake and for anybody's sake to check out Mo's bet in the discord channel, link over at the lines.com top right-hand corner. That's why it's definitely worthy to subscribe to our free notifications because you want to get the best of the number when it comes to whether it's a team's total in the NFL with Bills Bengals. You never know with these things, man. Getting the best of the market, especially in an efficient market like the NFL, the most efficient sports betting market really that there is. I know Mo just got done handicapping Major League Baseball, and that's an efficient market in its own right. But the NFL is a beast, and you want to get the best of the number for sure. And you can find all of our bets in the Discord channel. My NFL betting column is up at thelines.com for week nine be sure to check that out so for mo and for myself eli herskovich you could head over to play.thelines.com for all of our free nfl week nine contests shot to win a bunch of amazon gift cards also if you're looking to bet any nfl week nine action whether you're tailing us or not first-time users with BetMGM sportsbook can use bonus code the lines to get up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet loses that's promo code the lines one word as always terms and conditions apply so thanks for watching and listening to another edition of beat the closing number so long everybody